Welcome to another edition of Heartland History, the podcast of the Midwestern History Association. I'm your host, John Lauk, and our show is produced by Dana Brown. Today we are joined by Dave Page, a retired professor of English at Inver Hills Community College in the Twin Cities of Minnesota. Dave is the author of a new book entitled F. Scott Fitzgerald in Minnesota. Dave is a native Iowan who grew up in Mason City, attended Iowa State University, the University of Iowa, and the University of Minnesota. Welcome to the show, Dave. Thank you very much. Dave, let's start with your own personal biography. Uh, Tell us about growing up in Iowa and how you came to be interested in literature. Um, I was always a really big reader, and I I have to credit my um, ninth grade uh, English instructor for kind of um, introducing me to a lot of different uh, writing and, and um, just became a great reader and very interested in um, people like, uh, as we talked about, Hamlin Gardland and Sinclair Lewis. And and at the time, you know, I knew Fitzgerald and, and recognized him, but probably liked Hemingway a little better. Growing up in Mason City, Dave, did you hear much about Hamlin Garland, who, of course, was a native Iowan and lived in nearby Osage. You know, I didn't really find out too much about that um, when I was growing up in Mason City. In fact, I found out more about, um, you know, Garland when I, you know, went down to Iowa State University, which makes sense. I mean, there wasn't a lot of regionalism in the curriculum at the high school. Um but I, I became uh, a little more interested in uh, regional authors um, recognizing, you know, how close Garland was to my hometown, yeah. Now, I may be completely misremembering this, Dave, but is Mason City the setting for the Music Man? Yeah, I was going to say that, <laughs> um, you know, the Music Man is kind of the bigger influence in Mason City. I mean, everything is uh i shouldn't say everything because there's a there's a lot of um architectural interest in mason city um uh because of um oh geez i'm spacing the name of the architect uh um from uh frank lloyd wright has some architecture in mason city in fact the last surviving hotel that Wright designed is in Mason City, so attracts a lot of that. So, you know, between the Music Man and Frank Lloyd Wright, I mean, that's kind of, you know, where where Mason City has had its focus for, you know, all the years that I lived there. Right. So tell us a little bit about uh, Mason City and Meredith Wilson and the background of the Music Man. Do you, was this sort of embedded in the culture there and discussed a lot? Um, yeah, one of my <laughs> one of the disappointments, kind of, of my um, uh, what I want to say, my preservation of statutes is there. There used to be in the sidewalk in front of one of the buildings in Mason City the words "please all," and it was the "please all" pool hall that had. <laughs> 
you know, kind of inspired Meredith Wilson. And when they redid the sidewalks, <laughs> somehow that disappeared, and I was so offended by that. But, you know, I had been long gone from Mason City by that time, and so, uh, you know, maybe somebody, you know, got that out of the, you know, the front of the sidewalk. But anyway, so, um, yeah, I was uh, uh, very much interested in um, the, the music man, and probably it's the reason why I've always been interested in, you know, musical theater as well, because... Uh, was such a big deal in my hometown. When you went off to Iowa State, did you have classes or professors who promoted or introduced you to regional authors and literary regionalism? Um, a little bit. The, the, the most important author to me down when I was at Iowa State was actually Faulkner. Um, I was introduced to Faulkner down there and became very interested and um, and so Southern regionalism kind of became more important to me. And then eventually I ended up teaching in, um, uh, up in Moundsview School District in the Twin Cities. And I thought to myself, you know what? I'm gonna go down and see where F. Scott Fitzgerald rewrote this side of paradise. I mean, it was just, a, just the thing I wanted to do, and then when I got to Fitzgerald's neighborhood in St. Paul, I was literally sucked in and have been studying Fitzgerald ever since. Um, it, it's not that I've kind of tossed Faulkner and, and you know some of the other authors that I was very interested in, but Fitzgerald kind of took over. Well, you have been very involved in Fitzgerald activities over the years, and uh, the author of, is it two previous books about Fitzgerald? Yeah, I, I've had a couple books out about Fitzgerald that were nominated for Minnesota Book Awards, and were finalists, I guess I should say, for Minnesota Book Awards. So, uh, to paraphrase, um, I would say that Fitzgerald has been very, very good to me as well. So, yeah, it's been an uh, interesting road. Well, let's talk a little bit about the biography of F. Scott Fitzgerald. How did his family get to Minnesota, and what did they do when they got to Minnesota? What was their occupation? Um, his grandfather, Philip McQuillan, on his mother's side, uh, was Irish, came up from Galena, um, and his grandfather on his, uh, I should say, I'm sorry, his father, um, was from, uh, Maryland and came west seeking his fortune. And like several men before him, he married it. So, uh, Edward Fitzgerald married Molly McQuillan. And interestingly, they were married in Washington, D.C., because the McQuillans, talk, uh, talking about the Midwest, they had pretensions of not wanting to be from the Midwest, because um, there was that kind of whole interesting attitude there. And of course, actually, the Midwest almost didn't even exist at that point. Um, it was still called, up until the 1920s in the newspapers, the Northwest. So the Twin Cities were seen as the, um, you know, the gateway to the old Northwest. And 
that's how Fitzgerald would have seen it in his younger years. And then there was this transition to mid the Midwest as he grew into kind of adulthood. So he was right there when there was that change taking place that um, kind of made the Midwest the ragged edge. Well, tell us about Fitzgerald and his connections to other writers from the Midwest and how conscious was he of being a Midwestern writer? Uh, I'm thinking about his associations with people like Sinclair Lewis and Ernest Hemingway, for example. Yeah, I think I think Scott was conscious of being a Midwesterner. I don't know if I would say he was conscious of being a Midwest writer, per se, um, but he was certainly very aware of being a Midwesterner. And, you know, you take the line, you know, out of Great Gatsby, where Tom Buchanan says that Gatsby is a nobody from nowhere. And I think both parts are very important. And the fact that, you know, Gatsby's from the Midwest and that that would have been considered being from nowhere. And, and I think Fitzgerald felt that, and you could see it in his literature. And then um, in 1928, when he was doing an interview um, with uh, Charles Shaw, he was asked his influences, and you know he mentioned the Catholic Church, but he also said the wealthy Midwest. Um, you know, and so James J. Hill and the Warehousers were um, big kind of American dream influences on him from the Midwest. But, um, but and he was friends with the Midwestern writers, uh, you know, like um, Grace Flandro helped him get his literary agent and her brother uh, was very important in his life. Sinclair Lewis and he probably did not get along that well and probably didn't know each other that well. And of course, Hemingway later and he became, you know, fantastic friends. Um, and then Hemingway did what Hemingway usually does to his friends. But um, so I would still say Fitzgerald saw himself as a Midwesterner, but not necessarily as a Midwest writer. You are listening to the podcast of the Midwestern History Association, Heartland History. I'm your host, John Lauk. Today we are visiting with Dave Page, a retired professor of English from Minnesota who has authored his third book about F. Scott Fitzgerald. Dave, I wanted to ask you about uh, some of the fiction that Fitzgerald wrote that was set in St. Paul. In fact, one of your previous books is entitled The St. Paul Stories of F. Scott Fitzgerald. What were these stories like? Um, I um, was just kind of looking at this quote from Meisner, one of his first biographers, who said that Fitzgerald had to know what he was writing about to do a good job, and I, I agree. So I think some of the stories he wrote about the Midwest were his best. I mean, there were other great stories that he wrote because he was writing about what he knew about, um, but some of those that he set in the Midwest, like, you know, like Winter Dreams and the Ice Palace and the Basil Duke Lee stories are very, very impressive short literature. 
um, because he, you know, he spent his formative years in St. Paul and and was very, very influenced by, um, you know, what he experienced here. Um, and so those stories are absolutely spectacular as far as I'm concerned. Now, much of his experience was with the wealthy side of St. Paul, Minnesota. Is it your impression that he understood the rural, small-town, agrarian Midwest uh, very well? And did he travel there very much? Or uh, what? how did he handle that part of the region? Um, I would say that he understood it as well as a very, very perceptive person would. So he didn't spend a lot of his time out and about um, in greater Minnesota. I mean, he took a few short trips, but most of his time, you know, was spent um, in St. Paul, occasionally in Minneapolis, not very much, but, you know, mostly in in you know urban St. Paul um, and so that was his experience but as I said he was very perceptive I think he understood um, the the feeling of oh boy I think he kind of understood what it meant to be living a little bit on the edge not and, and it's because of the fact that his father didn't have a great job, his mother was a little odd, and so his friend's parents didn't really associate that much with his parents. They did a little bit, but not a lot. And so I think he understood, you know, what um, being on the outside meant even though he is he and his family his extended family were definitely on the inside so he could possibly understand you know what it might mean to be a farmer living um way out in the middle of you know a field do you think, uh, Dave, that The Great Gatsby is the work of fiction by Fitzgerald that deals the most with Midwestern themes? Um, it's certainly, uh, I wouldn't disagree with that. Yeah, I think there's a lot in there that, that people have missed um, for a variety of reasons. And I, I think... I think prejudice against the Midwest has existed for a long time. It existed when Fitzgerald was alive. It existed right after his death, and I think it still exists today. Um, I think there are people out there, maybe not in the United States, but in Europe, who think that there are still Indian peepees here in you know, downtown St. Paul. I mean, they, they just have this vision of the Midwest as kind of this empty place where the grand Native Americans, you know, kind of still exist. Um, and uh, I, 
as I said, I think that's still true, and I think that Gatsby reflects that. We are visiting with Dave Page, and we are talking about his new book entitled F. Scott Fitzgerald in Minnesota, The Writer and His Friends at Home. Dave, this book is uh, timed to be released at the same time as a major conference on the life and work of F. Scott Fitzgerald is to be held in Minneapolis, or I should say in the Twin Cities, probably in St. Paul. Can you tell us more about that conference? Yeah, it's uh, the conference occurs every other year. Interestingly enough, um, in conjunction with the Hemingway Conference, so Hemingway is one year, Fitzgerald's the next, Hemingway one year, Fitzgerald the next. So a lot of people belong to both organizations. Um, this is the 14th annual International F. Scott Fitzgerald Conference. It's the first time a conference has been held in the same city. So in 2002, the conference was held in St. Paul. I was on that planning committee. In fact, I chaired the com- uh, co-chaired the committee. Um, and so for the second time in its history, uh, the conference will be held in St. Paul again. And I think it's partly because we have uh, such um, a kind of a pristine um, uh, area in which people can really get a feel for what um, it was like when Fitzgerald lived here. One of these striking images in your book, uh, Dave, is the image of the Cathedral of St. Paul, which Mm -hmm. you can see for miles around. Was this the church that the Fitzgerald family attended? Um, It was not quite finished at the time. And so the Fitzgerald family uh, really went, uh, um, his uh, Fitzgerald's mother went to visitation school, and so they would have gone to the um, to kind of the church attached to visitation school. Um, and Fitzgerald often visited visitation school with his mother, and so the cathedral actually was um, not, you know, built. Uh, how can I say this? It was being built when he was growing up. So his, his I, I'm pretty sure his baptism certificate exists at the cathedral, but, but, he, but he wasn't baptized there. Um, so his, his connection with the cathedral is more architectural and symbolic than actually you know, attending uh, church there. But the cathedral meant an awful lot to him. You know, his Catholic upbringing meant a lot to him. And um, and St. Paul was one of the few cities in the United States where Catholics were not really discriminated against. Um, Catholics could join um, the, you know, the local country club. It was very difficult to discriminate against Catholics in St. Paul because James J. Hill had married a Catholic. So, um, you know, right at the pinnacle of St. Paul society was a very, very strong Catholic community that Fitzgerald was a part of. And so I don't think he really kind of started to recognize discrimination against Catholics until 
you know, he went east. You mentioned James J. Hill and uh, the Society of St. Paul back in the day. Can you tell uh, our audience, uh, which is located around the country, around the world, in fact, uh, a little bit about Summit Avenue and its significance to St. Paul and Minnesota and Fitzgerald? Because a lot of people won't be familiar with that. Summit Avenue is considered the most um, intact Victorian uh, uh, architecturally designed residential street in the United States. So in other words, there's this neighborhood on a hill above St. Paul that has all these amazing Victorian houses. And back in the you know, 50s, a lot of them were divided up, as many homes were, for World War II vets coming back. The neighborhood kind of fell on hard times. And Fitzgerald's birthplace at 481 Laurel, which is, in course, in the neighborhood a couple blocks off Summit, was saved from the wrecking ball. And so it helped plant a seed that um, restored the entire neighborhood and it's it's very large summit avenue is like five miles long and these beautiful homes um along it um and fitzgerald himself lived on summit avenue at a couple different periods and so as i said when i first moved here and and visited where he lived on summit avenue and in the neighborhood i was um very much um, attracted to the architecture and um, the, just the beauty of the neighborhood. Is it correct to say that it is called Summit Avenue and Summit Neighborhood because it sits high on a hill overlooking the Mississippi River? Absolutely. And Fitzgerald often called it Crest Avenue in his, um, in his stories. And of course, Crest Avenue, Summit Avenue. But something I learned that is in the book that was interesting to me is one of his friends who lived in an apartment building on Summit Avenue, the apartment building next door was called Summit Crest. Um, I don't know for sure that that's where he got the name Crest Avenue from, but um, he is known to have used things like that. So, um, I think he actually got the name Crest Avenue right from an apartment building name. Dave, uh, I think a lot of people are very interested in the fact that during the 1920s, uh, perhaps the three most prominent American writers were F. Scott Fitzgerald, Ernest Hemingway, and Sinclair Lewis, all coming from the Midwest. Um, and I'm wondering, what can you tell us about the relationship among the three men and how they got along and how they worked together on their projects? Lewis and Fitzgerald um, were known to each other, but I'm not sure that they really had you know, much to do with one another. I know that they did not meet when Lewis lived on Summit Avenue, and Fitzgerald actually just lived across the street and down the block. But at that time, Lewis was 
you know, a pretty prominent author. And Fitzgerald was prominent locally for a variety of reasons, mostly having to do with his acting rather than his writing. Um, but later, when he also became a very important writer with the release of This Side of Paradise, um, Lewis and Fitzgerald got together out at the White Bear Yacht Club, um, kind of as a, you know, a gathering of Minnesota writers along with um, uh, Flandreau. And, um, but I think people who knew them said that they probably didn't like each other that much. Um, Hemingway, of course, is a different story. He and uh, Fitzgerald met in Paris, um, and Fitzgerald was immediately attracted to Hemingway, probably for a lot of different reasons. Uh, his experience in the war certainly attracted Fitzgerald, um, Hemingway's experience in the war, and Hemingway's writing. Um, and then, of course, they became great friends. Uh, Fitzgerald helped Hemingway a lot, and um, and people who know Hemingway, he he would grow to resent that, um, and I think Hemingway grew to resent Fitzgerald's help, uh, not only from a literary standpoint, but also from a financial standpoint. Uh, Fitzgerald would loan Hemingway money. We uh, many of us are fans of or were fans of Garrison Keillor and oh, yeah. uh, he of course was based in St. Paul for many years and would sign off from the Fitzgerald Theater. Can you inform our audience about the Fitzgerald Theater and how it got its name and um, help make that connection for people? Yeah um, you know without without Garrison Keillor it's hard to say exactly how much St. Paul would um, be uh, um, having any kind of recognition for Fitzgerald. I mean, it was Garrison Keillor that pushed a lot of it. And in 1994, he asked um, National Public Radio where he had uh, his show at the, at the World Theater, which was originally a Schubert Theater, if they would change the name to the Fitzgerald Theater, and they agreed to do that in 1994. Uh, the Schubert was, you know, one of the great old um, uh, vaudeville uh, theaters, and it had a hotel attached to it. Um, and eventually, of course, after movies came in, it became the World Theater because it apparently showed movies from around the world. Um, and then as, you know, Keeler got it named uh, the Fitzgerald Theater. Then he went on to commission a statue in Rice Park, downtown St. Paul of F. Scott Fitzgerald. Um, and so the statue in Rice Park and uh, Fitzgerald Theater are, you know, basically because of Keeler and they're two of the um, things that are really most recognizable in St. Paul now that have to do with Fitzgerald. You have been listening to Heartland History, the podcast of the Midwestern History Association. Our guest today has been Dave Page. 
a retired English professor living in the Twin Cities of Minnesota. Dave's new book has recently been published by the University of Minnesota Press and is entitled F. Scott Fitzgerald in Minnesota, The Writer and His Friends at Home. Thank you for joining us today, Dave. Thank you very much. Thank you again for tuning in to Heartland History. If you would like more information about the Midwestern History Association, visit us at midwesternhistory.com. You'll have access to information about memberships, news about upcoming conferences, calls for papers, and panel proposals related to Midwestern history. You might also be interested in subscribing to the print journal Middle West Review or reading our online journal Studies in Midwestern History. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and you can find us on Facebook. Until next time.